I want you to hit me as hard as you can. The beauty of opening a movie with the proviso based on a true story is indeed the word based, isn't it? As it gives filmmakers unbounded dramatic license to embellish the real-life events as seen fit to entertain to the highest degree. True stories must be entirely fidelitous, but those based on true stories only need to retain a kernel of truth for a filmmaker to get a more significant point across. As such, you'd be surprised by the number of highly acclaimed, award-winning movies that severely slant the facts and massage the truth as a matter of convenience, dramatic contrivance, oversight, and protection of the real people involved. In the case of Ben Affleck's Best Picture winning Argo, billed as a historical drama thriller, tremendous liberties were taken to vivify the facts and heighten the level of audience amusement exponentially, while still retaining the hull of the story and glorious spirit of the daring diplomatic coup that truly occurred in 1980 Iran. Ranging from the anodyne to innocuous to the brazenly damning, the discrepancies between what actually transpired and what is presented on screen have primarily been fabricated to make the story seem far more exciting than what was otherwise a pretty straightforward, albeit incredibly cool and crazy, covert intelligence operation. While most of the principal actors in the film are based on actual people involved in what's now known as the Canadian Caper, Argo severely undercredits the role of the Canadian government as being instrumental to the success of the secret mission. Argo also paints Iranians in an unflattering light, insults the parts of the British and New Zealanders in the plot, and perhaps the most egregious was that Argo utterly confabulates an endless skine of dramatic moments meant to spike audience enthrallment and make viewers believe the entire mission was far more extended, perilous, inhumane, and downright more heroic than the American CIA even admits the real mission was. Care to hear more? Argo f*** yourself. It's high time we find out what the f*** really happened to this movie. For those who have never seen the film, Argo follows six would-be North American hostages who secretly escape a terrorist attack on the embassy in Tehran in 1979 during the hostile Iranian Revolution. To exfiltrate the hostages safely from Canadian Ambassador Ken Taylor's home, the CIA concocts a ludicrous scheme claiming that the six people are part of a film crew scouting locations for a Hollywood science fiction movie entitled Argo. While the mission was ultimately successful, the strategy was executed differently than what was shown in the film, making writer-director Ben Affleck look more heroic than Batman. Despite being nine inches taller than his real-life counterpart, Affleck plays Tony Mendez in the film, a technical operations officer for the CIA who plays a central role in the covert mission. John Goodman plays the real-life John Chambers, a Hollywood makeup artist who came up with the title Argo for the phony film production. In hilarious happenstance, Goodman's limp for the character was not intentional, and only resulted from the actor injuring his knee before filming. After the film premiered, one of Chambers' real-life friends commended Goodman for his performance, especially noting how accurate Chambers' limp was in the movie. Yeah, Goodman is that… let's just say good. Victor Garber portrays Ken Taylor the actual Canadian ambassador whose true heroism is significantly reduced in the film to apothecize Mendez. 
The names of all six of the escaped hostages have been retained for the film, including Bob Anders, Tate Donovan, Cora, Clea Duval, Mark Legic, Christopher Denham, Henry Lee Schatz, Rory Cochran, Joe, Scoot McNary, and Kathy Stafford, Carrie Bechet. Michael Parks depicts the real comic and storyboard artist Jack Kirby, and Kyle Chandler does the same for Jimmy Carter's chief of staff, Hamilton Jordan. While harmless enough, the first disparity between fact and fiction is the opening hostage sequence, shot on Super 8 film to make it appear like genuine documentary footage. Affleck gave the actors Super 8 cams to film the staged embassy overthrow from their perspective. Also fudged is the early scene in the film where the escapees immediately seek refuge at Ken Taylor's residence. In reality, the Americans opted to travel to the British Embassy located 20 minutes away. Hindered by protest, they went to Bob Anders' nearby apartment and spent nearly a week hiding, and then spent an additional three months later at Taylor's home. At this time, Lee Schatz was not a part of the group. For some reason, probably in the interest of time, the movie completely glosses over the six days that the five Americans were on the run and completely disregards Schatz's isolated experience, including sleeping on the floor of the Swedish embassy for an entire fortnight. Sadly, Canadian diplomat John Sheardown and his wife Zena are entirely omitted from the film, despite being the ones who arranged for Anders and the others to stay at theirs and Taylor's home. Thanks for watching Joe Blow videos. If you enjoy our shows, Please like, subscribe, and click on the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Okay, so the next question worth asking is, did the CIA conspire with Hollywood to scout a fake movie to rescue the Americans? Yes. Yes, they did. In addition to creating a phony production company called Studio 6 Productions, a bit on the nose, the CIA honestly sought help from the technical operations officer Tony Mendez to develop an exfiltration ploy. Inspired by watching Battle for the Planet of the Apes on TV, Mendez rang up prominent makeup artist John Chambers, who worked on Planet of the Apes and genuinely had CIA ties in the past, who in turn put Mendez in contact with producer Lester Siegel, played by Alan Arkin. Arkin claims his character is modeled after legendary producer Jack L. Warner. However, Siegel is a made-up composite character of Warner and Robert Seidel, Chambers' friend and fellow makeup artist who posed as the producer of Argo in real life. For some reason, Affleck thought the real Seidel was dead and changed his name to Lester Siegel, only to realize that he was still alive, and later gave him credit at the movie's premiere for his role in the actual mission. What the f indeed? In the film, Chambers, Siegel, and Mendez pick a script for a Star Wars-style sci-fi epic entitled Argo. In reality, the script chosen by the CIA was entitled Lord of Light, an adaptation of Robert Zelazny's 1967 best-selling novel. According to the CIA, the script was chosen because it was challenging to decipher and paid homage to certain Islamic tenets, which they thought would curry favor in the region. In truth, it was Chambers who came up with the title of Argo. According to the CIA, the title was chosen to reflect the parallels in the Iranian mission to the mythological plot of Jason and the Argonauts. Believe it or not, Studio 6 became so convincing in its publicity campaign for the fictitious Argo 
that it received 26 feature film scripts after it was created, including one from a young Steven Spielberg. Housed on the Columbia lot, Studio 6 took Michael Douglas's offices after he had just finished filming The China Syndrome. In the film, Serious publicity efforts are made to convince the Iranians that Argo is a legitimate Hollywood production. This part of the film is mostly authentic. Mendez and Chambers genuinely took out full-page variety and Hollywood Reporter ads promoting the film, replete with a phony one-sheet and a detailed production schedule. Famed comic book artist Jack Kirby indeed created storyboards that were used for the movie as seen on screen although they were never given to the officers at the airport by Mendez as shown. Kirby created the boards for Lord of Light years prior and had no official foreknowledge that his sketches were used for the fictional Argo. By this time in the film, the escapees are shown growing restless, Joe Stafford in particular. This much is true, with Stafford expressing his reluctance to participate in what he viewed as a harebrained scheme. Unfortunately, much of the film departs from the truth from here on out, or at least drastically distorts the actual events to drum up enthrallment and to make Tony Mendez the sole hero, when in fact, it was Canadian Ambassador Ken Taylor and his second-in-command, John Sheardown, who were the true heroes of the entire mission. The first major cinematic invention entails the scene in which Iranian revolutionaries identify one of the missing hostages by stitching together a shredded photograph. According to the CIA, carpet weavers were indeed brought in to piece shredded documents together, but they did not reveal one of the Americans at the last minute as seen on screen. While Mendez indeed assumed the name Kevin Costa Harkins as his productorial alias, he never met with the six Americans by himself. Instead, he was assisted by a man with the codename Julio, a Latin American CIA technical services officer who had far more exfiltration experience than Mendez. Several other covert contacts were dependent upon as well, all of whom are missing from the movie so that Mendez, Affleck really, can shine the brightest. Moreover, Mendez never actually convened with the Americans at Taylor's home, as seen on screen. Mendez and Julio met with the escapees at Sheardown's house, where Anders and the Legix spent 79 days secluded indoors. Schatz was later taken in by Sheardown when the Swedish embassy asked Taylor to give him refuge. However, the Staffords were kept safe at Taylor's home. They're all lumped into one time and place in the film to keep the narrative focused and the runtime manageable. To make their experience seem more grueling and inhumane, the Americans are depicted as being forcibly confined indoors for the duration of the event. According to the escapee Mark Legic, it's not true we could never go outside. John Sheardown's house had an interior courtyard with a garden, and we could walk there freely. Even more enjoyable, according to the CIA, the Americans spent their time perfecting their culinary skills and playing lots of Scrabble during their stay at Sheardown's. Put blankly, John and Zena Sheardown are missing from the movie despite risking their lives and sheltering four of the six diplomats for nearly three months, from November 4, 1979 to January 28, 1980. Yikes. The following central point of contention between fact and fiction is the subplot involving Mendez escorting the Americans to the Iranian Bazaar to meet with the two film officials. Pure poppycock. 
never happened. The scene was fabricated to heighten the tension and suspense, widen the chasm between American and Iranian foreign relations, and make the ordeal seem far more exciting and dangerous than it was in reality. The truth is, the Americans remained at the Canadians' homes for 79 days. As for Taylor's Iranian housekeeper, Sahar, she lavand. She was, in fact, based on a Filipino woman named Lolita, who did keep quiet about the refugees' presence, as seen in the film. However, to make the consequences more dire, Lolita was changed to a local Iranian woman who stood to lose a lot more if her secret was discovered. Not for nothing, but Affleck also whitewashed the hell out of Mendez, an American of Mexican descent. Pretty sweet Bon Jovi feather mullet he had going on there, no? And what a goddamn beard. Mm. Up next, the film purports that the entire movie-going mission is dashed at the zero hour by U.S. President Jimmy Carter in favor of military might. Mendez defiantly and heroically presses on him by himself. In reality, President Carter only delayed his decision by 30 minutes, doing so well before Mendez took a flight from Europe to Tehran. Part of this dramatic contrivance includes the hasty attempt by Mendez to obtain airline tickets and passports for the Americans to exit Iran in the nick of time as the threat of violence continues to increase. According to the CIA, the reality of the situation was far less intense. With all of the airline reservations made well in advance, without a single logistical issue at the counter or checkpoints. In fact, Ken Taylor's wife Pat bought three seats of plane tickets from three different airlines without a problem. Yet, in the film, Iranian officials meet the Americans inclemently as they board the plane. The Americans are detained, sequestered, and badgered to show their identification forcing Mendez to call Studio 6 and scramble to verify their phony identities as time runs out. None of this ever occurred, nor did Mendez bestow the Iranian guards the storyboards to keep as souvenirs. More Hollywood confabulation that's meant to spike adrenaline among the audience and make Mendez look like more and more of a martyr. In the final act, it's here that the movie takes the most prominent dramatic liberties to increase the excitation and make the story as riveting as possible. Before departing Tehran, a faux interrogation trial is exacted by Mendez, in case the real mission goes awry. This did happen, although Mendez did not act as the interrogator. That distinction went to a man named Roger Lucy, who was house-sitting for Sheardown. Being fluent in Farsi, Lucy was ideal for playing a mock interrogator, replete with full military regalia. Of course, Roger Lucy is not in the movie, much to the benefit of Mendez's heroic portrayal. The super suspenseful flight from Tehran airport and the prolonged last-minute chase sequence involving the Republican Guard is 100% fictional. What happened was this. The six Americans were taken to the Maribad airport by Julio, not Mendez, who overslept by 45 minutes before arriving so he could clear customs and prepare the plane alone. Mendez joined the Americans later on, before everyone went through customs without a single hiccup. There was also no intense confrontation at the departure gate before takeoff as depicted on screen. Hilariously enough, the only real setback the Americans faced at the airport was a one-hour technical delay, 
which required technical repair to the plane as they waited to take off. Once the plane was fixed, it took off smoothly for Zurich. Nobody ever chased them down the runway as shown in the film. However, the escapees did celebrate their successful exit from Iranian airspace with a collective sigh and a much-deserving round of Bloody Marys. According to Mark Legic, Fortunately for us, there were very few Revolutionary Guards in the area. It was why we turned up for a flight at 5.30 in the morning. Even they weren't zealous enough to be there that early. The truth is the immigration officers barely looked at us, and we were processed out in the regular way. We got on the flight to Zurich, and then were taken to the U.S. Ambassador's residence in Bern. It was that straightforward. More artificial yet was that the Meharabad Airport scene was filmed in Ontario, California, while most of the scenes set in Iran were filmed in Istanbul, Turkey. Not a single shot of Argo was filmed in Iran. However, the scenes set at the FBI headquarters in Langley, Virginia were filmed at the actual location. Not for nothing, the dilapidated Hollywood sign seen in the film is anachronistic, as the real sign had already been refurbished by a panel of pre-selected Hollywood stars in 1978. For all of you trivia nuts out there, famed rocker Alice Cooper paid to have the badly damaged third O repaired. Oddly enough, one glaring coincidence missing from the movie is the cool factoid that the nose of the Swiss airplane that the Americans took out of Iran bore the name Argau, pronounced Argo, named after a region in Switzerland. According to the CIA, the honest Bob Anders noticed the name on the plane while boarding, looked at Mendez, and quipped, You arranged for everything, didn't you? As shown in the film, Mendez was awarded an intelligence star for his contributions to the mission, which were withheld until the case was declassified in 1997. As for Studio 6, it officially closed its offices a few weeks after Mendez returned safely much to the likely chagrin of Spielberg, who was probably pitching Raiders of the Lost Ark at the time. Poor guy. When Argo was previewed at the 2012 Toronto International Film Festival, Affleck received immediate blowback for grossly discounting the role of the Canadian government, and Ken Taylor in particular. Canadian publication McLean's posited that the movie rewrites history at Canada's expense, making Hollywood and the CIA the saga's heroic saviors while Taylor is demoted to a kindly concierge. The pushback prompted Affleck to rewrite the postscript blurb and honor the Canadian contributions. But even that was a half-hearted and mealy-mouthed attempt at saving face. The amended version read, The involvement of the CIA complemented efforts of the Canadian Embassy to free the six held in Tehran. To this day, the story stands as an enduring model of international cooperation between governments. The revision prompted the Toronto Star to add, even that hardly does Canada justice. Taking the historical inaccuracies far more gravely, former President Jimmy Carter felt the need to issue clarity via CNN shortly after the film was released, saying 90% of the contributions to the ideas on the consummation of the plan was Canadian and the movie gives almost full credit to the American CIA. And with that exception, the movie is very good. But Ben Affleck's character in the film was only in Tehran for about a day and a half, and the main hero, in my opinion, was Ken Taylor, who was the Canadian ambassador who orchestrated the entire process. Ken Taylor himself weighed in on the facts, adding, In reality, 
Canada was responsible for the six, and the CIA was a junior partner. But I realize this is a movie, and you have to keep the audience on the edge of their seats. To this end, the notion that Taylor ordered to have the Tehran embassy shut down was falsified for the film, as the Canadians never once considered betraying the Americans and leaving them behind. Unfortunately, Canadians weren't the only ones who had received a short shrift by the film. In response to the suggestion that both British and New Zealand embassies in Iran actively turned the Americans away and refused to help them, both nations issued public rebukes of the movie. Sir John Graham, the British ambassador at the time, spoke candidly, saying, My immediate reaction on hearing about this was one of outrage. I have since simmered down, but I'm still very distressed that the filmmaker should have got it so wrong. My concern is that the inaccurate account should not enter the mythology of the events in Tehran in November 1979. Predictably, Affleck issued a public response claiming that he meant no insult to the diplomatic nations that assisted the actual mission, citing the need to increase the dramatic stakes of the story to make the movie feel more urgent and exciting. However, the film also omits the detail that most of the Iranian cabinet members at the time were actually in favor of freeing the Americans as soon as the terrorists seized the embassy, a fact publicly stated in criticism of the movie by the Iranian foreign prime minister. Abul Hassan Benassad. According to the Canadian-Iranian writer Gian Gomeshi, omitting this detail gave the movie a deeply troubling portrayal of the Iranian people. Only in the marvelous magic of movies, right? Fabricated, exaggerated, confabulated to the nth degree. It doesn't matter. Argo went on to win Best Picture at the 85th Academy Awards and amassed north of 232 million worldwide. And that by and large, is what the f*** really happened to Argo. For as scintillating as the experience of watching the movie still is to this day, the events of the real Canadian caper have been widely convoluted, distorted, and dramatized. Not only to entertain the masses as much as possible, but the byproduct also, unfortunately, minimizes the historical import of the real heroic players in the covert operation. The valuable lesson to be gleaned here? Never implicitly trust the integrity of a Hollywood movie that opens with a slickly worded caveat based on a true story. For Argo, debased on a true story is more like it. Let us know your thoughts by sounding off in our comment section. And thanks for watching.